today. It's, it's good to be here. Isn't this fun? I, maybe I'm a nerd because this is what I do, but isn't this fun to be able to kind of see the kids and pray for them and think about them? Family, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And, and if you're a guest or a visitor with us and you haven't been here before, I'm glad you're here. Uh, a couple times a year, we do baby dedications and we do membership kind of stuff as we recognize people becoming part, kind of formally becoming part of our body here at the church. And, and as, we, um, as we pray for and support the young ones. And one of the fun things that's going to be happening and we don't have a date set yet, but we've got uh, what we call an exploring membership class happening right now during our Sunday school times. Uh, been happening the last couple weeks here through March and, and into April. And these are people who are preparing, many of them are preparing for baptism and becoming members of our church. Baptism is kind of just a public proclamation that I believe in Jesus Christ. And, and so we do a water baptism. We're going to do that um, here in the late part of the spring or very early part of the summer. So a lot of really fun stuff happening, but I'm glad you're all here today. And if you're watching on online. I'm glad you're here tuning in with us. I pray that you're worshiping well wherever you are. So as Reuben alluded to during the devotion time, uh, we've been talking, I've been talking for the last couple weeks about how Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven has come near, right? The kingdom of heaven has come near. And we who believe in Jesus, we live in somewhat of a different reality than those who don't know God, right? We're still in this world, but we live according to God's standards, not just the ways of the people and the world around us. And so we've been talking about how we love each other, how we act around each other, and how we ought to be forgiving each other. Um, and an interesting story came to my attention this week. I, I was reading, uh, or actually it happened a couple weeks ago, and, and as I was thinking about and talking about the sermon, Melanie handed me this book. She's like, there's a great story in here. And the story was by a lady named Stacy Eldridge. Stacy was writing about forgiveness. And she was talking about what it's like to relate to people and some of the people around her. And Stacy, who is now in her 60s, um, who has grown children who are now providing her and her husband with grandchildren, Stacy remembered when she was a young mother. And she talked about how um, they lived next door to a park. And so especially when the weather was good, she had, um, at this point, she had two little boys, a toddler and a, and a brand new baby in the carriage. And so she talked about living in Colorado Springs when the weather got a little bit better. It was just such a, a break for her to be able to put the baby in a stroller and bring the toddler along and just go out and walk around the park for a little bit just to get out of the house. And, and some of you, especially you moms with little ones, you know what it's like just to have that break. And so Stacy's writing about an event that happened 30 years ago. She said, one day as she was walking around her normal route, a mother and a young child came up to her and, and said, excuse me, ma'am. And she said, yes. And she has the baby in the carriage and kind of holding the toddler. And, uh, and, and the woman who came up to her said, my son has something to tell you. And, um, and she said, oh, okay. And she didn't know these people, had never really noticed them before. And uh, my son has something to tell you. And the boy said, um, I'm, I'm sorry I called you fat and disgusting. And the mom said, there we go. And they walked away. And Stacy told this story and said, um, she said, well, I already felt fat and disgusting. And this was her words, and I thought it was so interesting. She said, I already felt bad about my body because I'm carrying baby weight. I'm going through all this stuff. I'm trying to manage all these kids. And, and this kid had to come up to me and apologize for something that I didn't even know that he did. And I was thinking about that the last couple of weeks. I've been telling you about forgiveness. And, and what I'd love to ask if I could sit down with each of you at dinner today is to say, how has it been going for you 
with your forgiveness? Have you been forgiving the people in your lives who have wronged you? And have you been asking forgiveness of those whom you've offended? But I'd like to give a warning. Forgiveness is not just about us. See, when that mom came up to Stacy and had her son had her son apologize, that mom was really just doing something for her and her boy. They had to get it off their chest. See, Stacy never even knew that this happened, never had any idea what the boy had muttered from across the park, never knew what his opinions were of her until he apologized, and now she felt worse than she did before the apology. I just thought that was a fascinating story of how sometimes, even when we're trying to do things the right way, they can get twisted and they can come out the wrong way when we focus too much on ourselves. And so one of the counsels that I would like to give you is just as you are doing your forgiving, and for those of you who are coming up on Love Feast this week, and as you're trying to forgive and and settle accounts with the people around you, please understand That forgiveness is not just all about getting things off your chest. You may have to forgive people for things that you've done that they don't even realize that you've done. Or I'm sorry, you may have to forgive people for things that they've done that they didn't even realize they did. And just let it go. It's not about you. Leave it up to God. God, I'm forgiving them. They hurt me. They didn't know that they hurt me. I'm not holding against them, but it's no good to bring it up. So I'm going to forgive them. And, and, And just because... Just because your little boy said some terrible things about another person, you don't have to have him go ask them for forgiveness if they don't know what he said. So just a quick little note, and thank you for indulging that illustration from Stacey Eldridge. That was helpful for me. There are some things that just happen between me and God, even in forgiveness, that are not good to be brought up among other people. But today, for the rest of this sermon, I'd like to talk to you about how you relate to other people. So would you please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. This is not one of those typical Palm Sunday kind of scriptures. We will read about Jesus entering the city in just a moment, but I want to start here in Romans chapter 12 because this ties in a lot with this kingdom of God thing that we've been talking about, and it can help us to see how we ought to be living with the kingdom of God so near. In Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, the Apostle Paul, and this is writing a couple of decades after Jesus would have walked on the earth and died on the cross and rose from the grave. So people have been kind of walking in the way of Jesus Christ for a little bit while, for a little while, but Paul is giving some instruction. And, and he says to these people who are in the church at Rome, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It sounds a lot like what Reuben read this morning, right? As Paul was instructing the people in the church at Ephesus. We write to the Romans, he says, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your body, your body is a living sacrifice. We give this to God, right? Holy and pleasing to God. We worship God by giving up our bodies for him. And then our minds, we allow God to renew our minds. We allow our brains to be made fresh and made quick so that we don't conform to the pattern of the world, but we're transformed. So our bodies, living sacrifices, our minds focused on God. What's that all for? Well, Romans 12, the second part of verse 2 says, Then, with our bodies sacrificed to God and with our minds focused, transformed, and renewed, 
Then we can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Have any of you ever struggled to find God's will? Have any of you ever wondered, what, do you, what does God want from me? Have ever you said to God, what do you want from me? Trying to figure out what it is that you're to do, how you should live, where you should go, where you should put your energy. Well, how do you find God's will? Well, you offer your body as a living sacrifice. God, this life is for you. And you allow God to transform and renew your mind as you focus on scriptures and reject the pattern of this world. Then you can test and approve God's will. And then Paul goes on. He says, for the grace given me, in other words, God has spoken to Paul and now Paul is passing this on. I say to every one of you, don't think more highly than you... (laughs) Boy, I'm having a hard time reading today. You ever have a hard reading day? Paul says in verse 3, the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So when your body is a sacrifice and when your mind is transformed by God, you can discern God's will. And as you discern God's will, you've got to realize you can't think too highly of yourselves, but think in accordance with with what God has done. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So again, we're following a little bit of a trail here. Paul says to the church, let your bodies be a living sacrifice. Let your mind be conformed to God and not to the world. Then you'll be able to discern and understand what God's will is, and you'll be able to think of yourself realistically. Now, as you're thinking of yourself realistically, sacrifice to God, mind renewed, now you can be part of this body, each member belonging to all the others, and this is the way that the church can function in a way that brings glory to God. So that we in Christ, though many form one body, we belong to each other. Verse 6, we have different gifts. Many of you have heard this part before. Different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And so Paul says, as your sacrifice, as your mind is renewed, turn to God, not conform to the world. As you understand yourself and get to real grips with who you are and God has built you to be, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. You see what Paul is saying here, and this is not rocket science, but for many of us, it's hard to live this out. Paul says, give your body as a living sacrifice. Okay, our bodies don't belong to ourselves. You understand what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is something that is given up, something that is offered up. Those of you who are familiar with the Old Testament, you know what a sacrifice was. You know that there was a a whole system for how animals could be sacrificed on behalf of people. They were put on an altar and they were killed and the blood was drained out. And there were certain things that had a great ceremony that went along with this. This was kind of God's, God's symbol for how people could come close to him in payment for their own sins. Life had to be given. That was a dead sacrifice. But now Paul says, I want you to be a living sacrifice every day, putting yourself on the altar. I was talking with a pastor this week, and he said, what are you preaching on? And I said, well, I'm preaching on this living sacrifices thing. He said, oh, the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling down off the altar. I said, huh, I kind of like that. That, that sounds, that sounds kind of catchy. And isn't that what we do? I mean, how many of you have said, yes, I am in. God, you've heard something from God. You've been stirred. You've been moved at some point in your life or maybe even this morning. 
and God got a hold of you and, and you, you heard this thing, be a living sacrifice, let your mind be conformed to God and reject the patterns of the world and you want to be humble and you want to use your gifts and you say, yeah, and you allow yourself to be a living sacrifice. But then Monday morning, you just crawl back down off the altar and go back to whatever the other agenda was that you'd been living on so far. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you have done that? Right? We get passionate for a while. We get excited for a while. And we say, God, I'm all yours. But oftentimes that only lasts for a while. Why is that? Why is that? Well, I think it's because we forget what we're committed to, but I'm getting ahead of myself here in the sermon. Paul simply says, and he says it very clearly. He says, let your body be a living sacrifice. Give yourself to God. Let your mind be dedicated and focused on him. Think properly of yourselves, not too highly. Don't think of yourself as more highly than you ought, but just use your gifts. If it's to lead, lead. If it's to give, give. If it's to serve, then serve. But we're not thinking of ourselves too highly. We all understand that together we are the body of Christ, sacrificed for God. Now, with that in mind, I want you to hear, I want you to hear the events of the first Palm Sunday, kind of what we are what we are commemorating today. We take, we take a couple steps back into history from even when Paul wrote. This is about now, this is about 30 years before Paul wrote when we find in Mark 11 this story. Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it, and we'll send it back here shortly. So here's the picture. Jesus and his disciples, it's getting to be time for the Passover. They're heading toward Jerusalem for a big, huge, religious, wonderful festival that Jesus loved, that his disciples loved, that they were looking forward to having together. And so as they're approaching Jerusalem, Jesus, they come to this little town. Jesus says, go ahead of you into the village. You'll find a little colt nobody's ridden. Bring it back here to me. So verse 4 of Mark 11. It says, they went and found a colt outside in the street tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying the colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So here's this picture, okay? And again, we're remembering that we are all called to have our bodies sacrificed to Christ and that we're having our mind conformed to the Lord and not to the patterns of the world. So we hear this story, this true story, this account of what Jesus did. He said, go ahead of us, a couple of you guys, go out and, and get this donkey, which no one has ever ridden. How many of you know donkeys? Are, are any of you donkey owners, donkey people? I'm not a donkey guy. I don't, they're too short, my legs drag. But I just wonder what a donkey that's never been ridden must be like. I mean, there are some donkeys I know that are trained and they can give you a little ride out to there and they come back and they know exactly what they're doing. But, but I don't know. Seems to me a risky proposition to hop on one that's never been ridden and just away we go. But I guess Jesus Christ who can walk on water and who has all of creation at his command, I guess he pulled it off. Because they just put their cloaks on it and he 
He rode into town, and the picture is that Jesus is coming into town, and, and people started cutting down branches, which is not like a, a super normal thing to do. These people started cutting down branches and, and, and spreading things out on the road in front of him, and they shouted, Hosanna! How many of you have shouted Hosanna lately? It's not a word that we use very often. Hosanna at that time, for those people that they were saying, it kind of meant salvation. Salvation is here. They saw Jesus. Salvation is here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And so we get this story, and Mark wrote it down, about Jesus riding into town on this donkey that no one's ever ridden, and apparently he's riding it well. And people are shouting Hosanna, and they're laying their garments down. They're laying the branches down. And this is all happening. That happened on Sunday, okay? That's sometimes it's called the triumphal entry. As Jesus entered into the city of Jerusalem, where, by the way, he'd be He'd be murdered on a cross in about five days. But here we are. Jesus enters into the city. That was Palm Sunday. And then if we keep following this story, and again, in the back of our minds, we're remembering that, that Paul calls us to be living sacrifices, mind transformed and conformed to God, and we don't walk in the ways of the world, and we don't think of ourselves too highly, and we just act with the gifts that we have, and, and we get excited together because we're all part of the body of Christ. Uh, okay, so now we've got this story of Jesus has ridden into town. He's there with his disciples on a Sunday, he came in on a donkey, and on Thursday night, we learn from Luke chapter 22 that Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. In Luke 22:15, it says that Jesus told them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus rode into town on this donkey, and there were so many people there because it's Passover. This is the huge, the Jewish holiday. And so Jesus says, I've been so wanting to eat this meal with you. I'm not going to eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be with you for any more of this kind of festival until things are all as God is eventually going to work them out to be. And then in Luke twenty-two seventeen, it says, after taking the cup, there would have just been cups around the table. Jesus took a wine, took a cup of wine. He gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Jesus making these pronouncements and talking about his last days on earth, but they didn't quite get it. In verse 19 of Luke 22, it says that Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Okay, what are we doing? Again, th this sermon's kind of jumping around, but I want you to follow with me. We're called to be living sacrifices given over to God, not thinking of ourselves too highly, the way the world often thinks of themselves too highly, but thinking realistically about who we are and what we're built for. And we read about Palm Sunday, Jesus riding into town, Hailed, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We read about Thursday night, Thursday between Palm Sunday and Easter. We read about Thursday night, Jesus is with his disciples reclining at the table, and he says, Take this bread and, and eat this, or eat this bread and drink this cup, and do this in remembrance of me. And then those of you who are giving your lives as living sacrifices, and those of you who have your mind conformed to the things of God instead of the things of the world. You can understand how ridiculous this next passage is. And this is what I think is so fascinating today. We read in Luke 22, verses 14 to 20 about this communion. But just a few verses later, look at Luke 22, verse 24. 
It says just after this meal, just after Jesus said, remember me, just after he comes into town riding on a donkey that no one's ever ridden, just after, every, after everybody has praised Jesus, it says in Luke twenty two twenty four that a dispute among the disciples arose. It says a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. So you people whose, whose lives and whose bodies are living sacrifices, you people whose minds are conformed to Jesus Christ and you're thinking of yourselves realistically and understanding that you have a gift to give and a role to play, those of you who are in that space can see how ridiculous this is, right? You can see that Jesus who rode into town is certainly the greatest. Jesus who is giving them this bread in his cup saying, remember me, is certainly the one who is in charge. And... and if you're following Jesus and, and you've been around him for three years, you should know better than to argue in his presence about who was considered to be the greatest. But this dispute arose among them. So Jesus said to them, guys, this is Luke 22, 25. This is the Jesse paraphrase. Stop it. What it actually says is, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Kind of sounds a little bit like what Paul says. Don't, don't be conformed to the ways of the world, but instead have your mind be transformed and be a living sacrifice. Jesus says to his disciples, don't be like that. Don't be like those who look for the title and look for the honor. Don't be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And so here is Jesus laying the foundation for what Paul would say later about living sacrifices and, and about laying yourselves down and, and about being transformed in your mind to to not be like the world, but to be like God. Jesus says, guys, don't be arguing about who's greatest. That's not the point. He says, I've come among you as a servant. I've come among you. I'm offering bread and cup. And at this point, he says, I'm washing your feet. I'm taking care of you. And in just a day, he's going to die. He's going to give his life for them. He says, you guys are arguing about who's the greatest. You're arguing about honors. You're arguing about who's going to be first. Really? And so those of you now, now hopefully it's all starting to come together, this, this sermon that's grabbing from all these different places in Scripture, hopefully you're seeing that it is so easy to fall into this trap of wondering who's the greatest, arguing about who is prime, who is the top, who's going to have to do the messy service work, and who gets to sit at the table and enjoy the fruits. These are the kind of discussions that happen all the time out in our world, Right? Who's going to have to serve whom? Who has to pay and who gets to collect? Jesus says that's not how it should be. Instead, he says, lower yourselves. Know who you are. Know what your gifts are. And of course, we're always loved and beloved by God. We're not giving away our identity. But as we live together and as we work together, Jesus says the greatest should be like the youngest, the one who rules like the one who serves. Don't put yourself up on a pedestal better than everyone else, but instead... Well, Paul summed it up nicely. Let your body be a living sacrifice. Don't think of yourselves too highly, but with sober judgment. Use the gifts that you've been given. If it's to serve, well, then go serve. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to give, give generously. 
Our mission here at Waterway Church is to help everybody we know become more like Jesus. And so if we're going to do that, we have to understand what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Not only did he teach his disciples to to kind of take a second seat, to take a step back, to serve each other and to look out for each other, but he lived it. He allowed himself to be a sacrifice. Jesus came among humans as one who serves. He understood what real life was, and because he knew that this life is not ultimate, he laid his life down, literally died on the cross. And he told us, really, really to to live in that same way. The one who rules should serve. A living sacrifice. Because church, we know that life is not all about this life. Do you understand that yet? That's hard for me to wrap my mind around sometimes because there's a lot of stuff going on. Any of you busy? Any, Any of you have more things that you could do than what you're able to do? Too many options? Too many fun things? You know, I haven't even watched a full game of NCAA March Madness yet this year. Melanie, I watched about 15 minutes of the last game last night. It was the first I'd seen of the whole thing. It used to be I'd sit down on the first Thursday and, and order some fried food and, and sit in front of the couch in the afternoon just thinking how great it was to have basketball on TV. Man, now we've got Connecticut playing San Diego State. I haven't seen any of it. Why? Because there's too many other good things to be doing. I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one, but it is so easy. It is so easy to just be kind of swept up in all the things that are happening around us and to be thinking about how can, I, how can I live my best life, like really be living for God all the time. It, it can become this thing that this life is all there is, but I need to step back sometimes and remind myself that this life is not all there is. See, Jesus is reminding his disciples and he's reminding me and he's reminding you that, that making a big deal of ourselves in this life is not what living is about because this life isn't even the real life. See, for those who believe in Jesus, who live according to his kingdom, life is about following his lead. And that even when we die, we are blessed. Death for us is even better than life because our eternity is spent in heaven close to God. As Paul wrote to the Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so while we live, looking forward to our death, looking forward to the day that we will be fully realigned and brought back to God in such a way that there is no more crying and no more pain and no more tears and a new heaven and new earth and all that stuff, while we look forward to that, we can live this life as sacrifices because we know that this is not all that there is. We can be transformed in our minds and brought close to the Lord because we have a different perspective. We have a Lord who grabs us and invites us into a life that really matters. He told his disciples, and, and it echoes down to us, that the greatest should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. Jesus said, I am among you as one who serves. And, and church, today I would just like to invite you once again to be a living sacrifice, not conformed to the ways of the world, but transformed in your mind. So while your body is given to God and your mind is aligned with God, that that you can work out all your gifts, not making a big deal out of yourself, but serving each other so we can be in unity with each other as we serve Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me?